At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. If you were with us last week, you know that we kicked off a new sermon series called The Wise of Worship. The wise of worship. Wise worship. Why do we do what we do when we gather as a church family on Sundays? We are unpacking that over the first several weeks of 2024. Now, before we continue on in this series, I think it's helpful to add something to what we talked about last week. We understand worship to not just be an event we attend, but it's actually an attitude and posture in response to God. So that we can worship God no matter where we are as we obey him and trust him and follow him. Worship in general is a response to all that God is with all that we are. That is what worship is all about. So Sundays when we gather, it's merely an expression of our worship of God, but an important expression nonetheless. And as we gather, we do a number of things that we are talking about in this series. We, we gather together. We talked about that last Sunday. Today, we're going to talk about why do we sing? Why do we take a number of minutes when we gather on Sundays to sing songs together? We'll talk about that today. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about why baptism is a part of the Christian experience and a part of our time of worship. And that's timely even for us because just in a couple of weeks, we have a baptism class. Information about that in the bulletin for those who have trusted Christ and not been baptized. But we'll be talking about that next Sunday collectively as a church family. Why is baptism a part of our time of worship as well as a number of other things? But today, we're going to be in part two of this series talking about why we sing, why we sing. Now, as we think about why we sing, I I was preparing for this Sunday, and as I was preparing for today, a particular song lyric kept bouncing into my head. It's from the noted theologian, Clint Black, who, when I was in college back in 1993, uh, penned this song, this lyric, and this is what he said. He said, ain't it funny how a melody can bring back a memory? take you to another place in time, completely change your state of mind. Now, I realize when I put this lyric up here, I might be dating myself to some, but anybody else know this song? Okay, a few of us lived through the 90s. I appreciate it uh, very much. But we think about just this song. There's a lot of truth in that song, isn't there? I mean, melodies and song and music can take you to another place. When, when Kimberly and I got married, we had a song that was sung at our wedding, uh, and that, that song was Great is Thy Faithfulness. And every time we sing that song at Wildwood, we share a particular look. Why? Because it takes us back to 1996 and our wedding day. There are other songs that, that, that I, I can listen to, and it takes me right back to the room that I grew up in in Bartlesville, my, my middle school room, when I would turn up my stereo so loud that the speakers would distort. When I hear certain music, it just takes me back to that place and to that time. See, music has a, a, a particular power, a staying power in our lives. And given the power of music, It's not a surprise that God would have us incorporate music into our expressions of worship to him, particularly into our expressions of corporate worship together. 
And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about why we sing by looking at a particular passage of Scripture, just a single verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Now, I realize it's a little misleading when I say we're going to look at one verse. We're going to look at a lot of verses today. But our chief text will be in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 as we reflect on why we sing. So I want to begin by reading Colossians 3.16 for us. And then after reading this verse, uh, I will unpack it with a couple of thoughts in the balance of our time today. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 says this. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This morning, we're going to see two things as we reflect on this verse and why we sing. So what are they? The first thing I want us to see and remember is this. We can encourage one another in song. There's an aspect of music that allows us to encourage each other with the truth that we are singing about. And this is something that comes clear as we look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. But before we look at Colossians 3, 16, we need to remember that the idea of singing as a part of our interaction with God as his people is not something that is mentioned only once in the Bible. It's not something that only shows up in Colossians 3, 16, but it's something that actually is a part of the fabric of Scripture from the very beginning until the very end. So let's take a quick survey of the Scriptures to see singing and its presence among God's people. First place I want us to turn is to the book of Exodus. Exodus, of course, is the time when God called forth his people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt and towards the promised land. Now, when they left Egypt, they, they went where? They, they, they went through a particular body of water, and it was the Red Sea. The Red Sea parted, and they walked through on dry land. That was in Exodus 14. But then in Exodus 15, when they get to the other side, Moses leads the people of Israel singing this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. I mean, that would be exhilarating, right? You think you're going to die, and then you are alive, and God has triumphed over your enemies. An amazing moment. In the response to that moment, they could not just say, thank you, God. They had to put a melody to it. They had to put a beat and a rhythm. They banged whatever they had. They played whatever instruments they had access to in celebration to God for what he had done. This is what God's people do. Why do we gather and we sing? Well, friends, when we gather, we are not remembering God taking us through a sea. We're gathering, remembering this sin that God has forgiven in Christ and the reconciliation that God has provided between us and himself. That's an amazing thing. We gather, we, we play the instruments we have. We lift up our voices in song together just as they did in Exodus 15. But it's not just Exodus 15. Let's continue on now and look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, when David takes out a really tall guy named Goliath. When David 
takes out Goliath not by his own strength, but by God's sovereign provision. When God works on behalf of the children of Israel through David, what happens? Well, the people came running out to David when he had struck down the Philistine. The women came out from all of the cities of Israel doing what? Singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. There was such joy in the victory the Lord had brought. They could not keep it to themselves. It expressed itself in song and was amplified with instruments. This is what God's people do when they remember and they see, they think about, they meditate on the victory that God has won for us. But it continues on. Let's look at 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. When King David here is, is talking about the Ark of the Covenant arriving in the capital city of Jerusalem. He leads a celebration and he says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Again, such excitement and enthusiasm that it needed melody. It needed instruments. It needed a corporate expression together. And so they sing together. We see this also in 1 Chronicles 25 when, when David is organizing the, the worship of God. He understands that singing needs to be a part of it. So he gathers together a number of them along with their brothers who were trained in singing to the Lord. All who were skillful was 288. So David prioritizes singing as a part of worship and gathers those who are particularly good at it to set an example and provide leadership in this area to the nation of Israel, not to worship on behalf of them alone, but to lead them in these expressions of worship. It continues into the Psalms, places like Psalm 96 that Bruce read for us at the beginning of our time today. It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. And then in Psalm 98, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. See, the Psalms are full of declarations about song and singing. As a matter of fact, if you look through the Psalms and you were to, to, to isolate the words sing or song, it appears 93 times in the 150 Psalms. And again, this shouldn't surprise us because what does the word psalm even mean? It means a song set to accompaniment with stringed instruments. That's what the Psalms were. They were songs that were intended to be sung by God's people and accompanied by stringed instruments. And so there is opportunity here for us to go before the Lord. But notice, it's not just an optional thing. It's actually something that is commanded. We are to respond to all of God is with all that we are. And one of the ways that we do that is by singing of his praises together continues on into the New Testament. The New Testament in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5, there's a very parallel passage. We'll see this a little later on, but a parallel passage to what we've read in Colossians chapter 3. When Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says that they are to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in their hearts. So singing is a part of not just the Old Testament people of God, but us followers of Christ as well. And then we see this all the way to the end. In the book of Revelation, in chapters 14 and 15, in chapter 14, there are those who are gathered on Mount Zion, 144,000. And what are they doing? They are singing a new song before the throne. 
And then in chapter 15, we, we see those gathered around the sea of glass. And what are they doing? They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord, God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Friends, singing, as I think you can see, is a part of a Christian's response to God for who he is and for all that he has done. And this is just a survey. We could have spent much more time, but in the time that we have, we're only able to get a taste of the role of singing in the response of God's people to the person of God. So how might we summarize some of what we have already seen about singing as we reflect on its presence throughout the scriptures? Few, few things I might say. The first one is this. Singing is not optional. It's not optional. It's actually commanded. We are to sing in response to who God is. We are to declare together with melody in memorable ways the truth and the reality of our God. Second thing, singing is not filler or a warm-up act. Singing is not optional. It is something that we are to participate in. So it's, it's not just the thing that we do when we gather that, that creates some space and time for everybody to make their way into the room. No, it's more important than that. It's more significant than that. It's not just the, 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 the warm-up act that we might skip before the main issue of the preaching of the Word. It's another way for us to remember the greatness of God and for us to respond and express that greatness back to Him. In singing. Third thing we might say, singing highlights God's work. The singing that we saw throughout Scripture was in response to things that God had done. God delivered them from the Egyptians and they sang. The Ark of the Covenant, a reminder of God's presence with his people, shows up in the capital and they sing, thanking God for his presence. When believers gather, we remember what God has done for us in Christ and we express that in song to our Lord. This is what we do. In the end times, when, when, when Jesus is returning to the earth, God's people, you and me, will be singing then of his deliverance and provision as well. So we sing highlighting God's work, but we also, friends, sing highlighting our identity, highlighting our identity, who we are. We are his. That's why we sing his song. And that's why we sing it together because we, we were reminded as we sing together that we are his and we are his together. If you're an American citizen, why do we stand at the singing of our national anthem and put a hand over our hearts before sports games? Because it reminds us that though there may be two teams on the field, there is one country in which this event is being played and we share something in common. It's a reminder of our identity. And when we gather to worship Jesus as the people of God, what is happening is something very similar. We are expressing our identity as his people together as we sing. And singing is not just a skill for some. Just as was true in David's day, there are some who might lead us in singing. But those who lead us in something are not the only ones that do it in the church. Those that have the gift of giving are not the only ones who give financially, but they set an example and for, for all of us. Those that have the gift of teaching are not the only ones who study God's word, but they provide an example for us in how to study and understand God's word. In the same way, those who have a particular ability to sing, they just are able to carry the tune a little more, but all of us are to take our voices and add it to the chorus. Singing is 
a way that we respond to God and we remind each other of our connection together. Now, with that foundation, let's turn back to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 begins with this phrase, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. When we're going to talk about singing, why does it begin with a statement about the word of Christ dwelling in us richly? It's because the songs that we sing are not just made up words. They are flowing from the truth of who God is. And how do we know who God is? We know who God is because how he has revealed himself to us through his word. And so when we look at this, it says that the word of Christ, the truth of the scripture, you know, notice the word of Christ is not here just talking about some red letter sections of the gospels, just the quotes of Jesus. No, it's referring to the entirety of scripture. The written word of God and the living word of Jesus have no contradictions. They always support one another. And so when it says the word of Christ is to richly dwell within us, we are to allow the word of God to be what we meditate on, think about, and contemplate. It ought to be what populates the language of our praise that we offer back to God. It ought to be the source of the songs that we sing. We are to let the word of Christ richly dwell in us. Now, I quickly want to hit this because I think it's, it's fascinating. He says that the word of Christ is to dwell in us. We're to live there. We're not just to vacation there. You know, how do we vacation with the word of God? We vacation with the word of God by, by looking at the word of God when we go on the retreat or looking at the word of God when we go to camp or looking at the word of God when we, we go to the event. That's something we vacation in. No, we're to let the word of God dwell in us. We're to meditate on it, think about it, study it in a pervasive way throughout our lives. We're also not just to visit it. How do we visit the word of God? Well, we visit the word of God when we don't think it's really talking about us. We approach the word of God merely as an academic book, an exercise, just to learn some facts. That's visiting God's word. No, we are to dwell in God's word. We are to come here and make our home here. Have this be our marching orders. Have this be an articulation of both who our God is and who we are. Friends, we are to, to dwell in God's word, to richly dwell in God's word. And as we richly dwell in God's word, the things that we think about as we come together will be the truth of who Christ is. And that will prompt us to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, not just sharing our two cents, but having God's word transform the way that we think so that when we open our mouths and interact with one another, we might point each other towards the truth of who Christ is. Now, when we think of singing, we don't always think about this, this role of teaching or admonishing. As a matter of fact, when we think of, of our opportunity to sing, sometimes we, we think of our opportunities to sing as something that are merely an emotional expression. It matters how we feel much more than what we say or sing. But what's fascinating to me is when we compare Colossians 3.16 with the parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 5. Remember, we saw very similar wording in Ephesians 5. In Colossians 3, it talks about the word of Christ. When we richly dwell in it, what happens is we open our mouths and sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But in Ephesians chapter 5, it says that when we are filled with the Spirit, what happens? 
we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, one of the things that happens. And so what we see is that there is no contradiction between the truth and the Spirit. But when rightly aligned, God's Word and the Holy Spirit will both prompt us and lead us to communicate the truth of God and our response to Him in song. And so we come together, we teach and admonish one another in all wisdom according to the Word of Christ that richly dwells within us, and we express it outwardly, collectively, as we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs together. Now, what is he talking about in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Well, it's it's possible that we might look at these and find some differentiation between these three kinds of songs. The psalms, referring to the Old Testament Scripture themselves, the 150 psalms and the Psalter. It's also possible when we think of hymns, we're talking about not the psalms, but we're talking about God-focused songs written by men, informed and instructed by the Word of God. Not in the Scripture, but added to it by believers later, recapitulating the same truth that we see in Scripture in rhyme and meter. A a third song that is mentioned here is a, a spiritual song. This is not so much a a God-directed song as much as it is a song that we sing together to encourage one another about our identity in Christ. So it's possible in these three things that what the Apostle Paul is doing is he is talking about three different kinds of songs. It's also possible, friends, that he is using these three terms almost interchangeably, as if to say, when you gather, sing. And as you sing, whatever kind of song that you sing, let it be instructed by the word of Christ, which is richly dwelling within you, and let your songs be opportunities to teach, admonish, and encourage one another to continue to follow Christ. This is why Warren Wiersbe talks about this. He says, a singer has no more right to sing a lie than a preacher has to preach a lie. What's he, what's he talking about? Well, we remember what we sing, don't we? We'll talk more about this in a moment, but we remember what we sing. You don't remember what I say. I I know that. You don't have to remind me of it. Sometimes I'm thankful for it, honestly. Um, But when you think about the things that we really remember, so often the things that we remember are the things that we sing. That's why the things that we sing should be grounded in the Word of Christ, which is richly dwelling within us. The the songs that we sing should be able to admonish and encourage us to follow Christ. There ought to be truth in the midst of it as we gather and as we sing. And as we sing, we should do so with thankfulness in our hearts, that our singing is, is not just about our lips and our vocal cords and our lungs, It's not just about the rote activity, but it's actually about something deep in our souls. It's about us dwelling on the greatness of God as we, the word of Christ richly dwells within us so that we cannot wait to get together with other believers in Jesus to add our voices together to exalt God because we are meditating on him and we can't wait to express together the greatness of who he is together. See, this is what we are to do. We are to sing, to admonish, to encourage one another in song. So how might we respond? A few thoughts. First one I would say is this, sing with the congregation. Actually sing. Actually open your mouth and make a noise during our times of singing. Now, 
This goes with a, a correlation, uh, another principle, which we might say is this, uh, you know, whether you, sometimes we only want to sing when we feel like we are gifted to sing. You know, we say, well, I don't want to sing because I don't have a very good singing voice. But friends, I understand that principle. I don't have a great singing voice either. But you know what? It's a wonderful thing to celebrate the goodness of our God. And for some of you, a, a, a next step to singing these truths might be for you to lip sync when we end our service today. Just lip sync along. And then next week, maybe you whisper the words. And maybe the next week you move it up to a one, and then maybe a two, and then maybe a three. But it's an opportunity for us to join our voices together and to encourage one another in song. We need your voice in the choir because it's not just about the quality of the music. It's about our souls celebrating God's work together. And we all have a chance to do that as we gather for worship. Next thing I would say is show up early. Show up early and don't skip the songs. And I might add a correlation to that, don't skip out early. But stay for the opportunity we have as we begin our services and as we end our services in song together. We're commanded to sing. Let's gather and let's sing and praise God. And as we gather together and sing here, may it, it give us a prompt to also fill our homes with these same songs that we might teach and pass along to others in our home the truth of who God is by the music that we listen to and the songs that we sing. In all of this, friends, we are reminded that we have an opportunity to encourage one another in song. But there's a second thing I want us to see, and it is beyond Colossians chapter 3. It's just some general observations about the superpowers of singing. Singing is a wonderful gift from the Lord that has some wonderful opportunities associated with it, some wonderful powers that it has. We might think of a number more than what I'm going to highlight, but I want to mention quickly three superpowers of singing. What are they? The first one I would think of is this, the superpower of unifying. Music has the ability to unite people. That's what it does. I mean, again, we think about it in terms of uh, the song. If you go to an OU football game, people walk in, they've, they've been doing a lot of different things, but what happens when the band fires up and they begin to play Boomer Sooner? Well, you know what? It unites us. No matter where we have been, it unites us. We start clapping. We start singing the alma mater in this similar way, right? Music has the ability to unite. That's also true inside of the church. It has the ability to unite. Look at Colossians chapter 3. We looked at 16 earlier, but verses 14 and 15 leading up to that, it says, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. He's getting ready to talk about singing. He here talks about harmony. What is harmony? Two different things making different noises, but coming together to make a beautiful sound. It's a symphony together. It's a note apart. And he says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. There is unity, a harmonious, symphonic unity that we experience as believers in Jesus. And when we open our mouths and we sing together, 
that collective noise that we make is a reminder of the fact that we are part of one body, serving and following the one true God. We see this also in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus gathers with his disciples. He spends this amazing moment together with his team. Uh, He washes their feet. He institutes the Lord's Supper. And after they do that, what does he do? Matthew 26, 30, they sung a hymn and then they went out to the Mount of Olives. They, They sung a song together as an expression of their unity. They gathered together around God. Notice they didn't, didn't say that Jesus had all of them put in their ear pods and listen to their favorite song. They gathered together and sang one song together. It was an expression of their unity. And Jesus was clearly thinking about this as he goes out onto that hillside and prays for them this prayer that they would be one even as he and his father were one. Singing is an expression of our unity. One of the reasons why we sing is to unify around the person of Christ. There's a second superpower that we think about with music. That second superpower is the superpower of amplifying. Singing has the ability to amplify. It amplifies our expression of togetherness, but it also amplifies our emotion. This is what happens. We put the music with it. Have you ever listened to or watched a movie without the soundtrack? It's not the same. With the soundtrack, it amplifies our emotion, our anticipation. Music is a gift in that it amplifies our emotion before the Lord. That's why we see in Psalm 95, we're to have a whole response to God. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We're to have a whole response to God, not just an intellectual one, but a whole response to him. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. We amplify our gladness and our joy as we sing together as the people of God. There's an amplifying factor. We know this instinctively, right? This is why we involve music in so many other venues and areas of our life. We are given music as a gift from God so that we might worship him, not just intellectually, but as a whole response to him, amplifying our emotion as well in celebration of our God. So there's the superpower of amplifying. But there also, friends, is the superpower of portability. Now, what do I mean by portability? I mean that it's, it's mobile. It travels with us. You know, there are so many things that I forget, but I can hear a song that I have not heard in 30 years, and I will get 75% of the words right. Now, I think I've got 100% of them, but if you check it, there's some errors in there. There's some dad math of how I'm putting the words together. But I just want you to know that when, I, when we hear music, we're able to remember the music. It's portable. It goes with us, songs that we have not heard for a very long time. This is true in so many other areas of our life. We need to remember its application in our spiritual lives. Music, the music of the Lord is with us when we need it the most. I love this section of scripture in Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas go to Philippi and they preach the gospel and they are arrested because they are preaching the gospel and they are beaten and they are placed, bruised and bloodied into the deep dark dungeon where their hands and feet are bound. And in the middle of the night, what are they doing? They're singing, they're not complaining. They're not saying, woe is us. They're not saying God has abandoned us. They're singing. They were singing songs that they had learned before. 
They didn't have the scroll with them. They didn't have the Torah with them, but they had the music of the Lord with them so they might teach and admonish and encourage one another and those around them with the truth. Music is with you when you need it the most. You know, a number of years ago, my wife had a kidney transplant, and I, I still remember there was a particular uh, time. She's doing great now, by the way, but there was a time where there was some really bad news that, that, that we were learning about how this was going, and things were looking pretty rough. And I remember in that moment, I didn't even have a friend beside me, but you know what I had with me in my, whole, in my soul? I had the music of the Lord, and I just didn't even have my own words to pray, but I had a song to sing to God in that moment. Music has the superpower of portability, friends. When we sing these songs and we remember them, they can comfort us and encourage us when we need them the most. See, singing has some superpowers. Aren't you thankful that God has given us music? This is why we sing. Now, I I say all of this in preparation for us applying this message. Now, sometimes I say, now, this is something for you to do this week. This message we get to apply right now or almost right now. I'm going to pray. And after I pray, I'm going to have us stand. And when we stand, we're going to have the chance to sing a song, a song that we have not sung on this stage maybe in a while, but we'll still, many of you will know it, that we might sing out together its truth and remind each other of who God is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this great truth that we have looked at today. Thank you for this gift of singing. Thank you that that we are able to celebrate you as we gather, your faithfulness, your glory, your power, your love. Lord, thank you for the gift that music is that allows us to unify around you and to amplify our emotions. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us now even as you are honored as we sing your truth together. And sing our souls, our Savior God to thee, how great you are. In Jesus' name, amen.